Welcome to Lax Historical Context. I'm Sean. I'm Sasha. Today we're uh we're gonna I have a feeling we're we're uh we're gonna depress some people. Yeah, it's pretty depressing. We're gonna we're gonna make some people sad. I mean there's like redeeming qualities, I think, to this. To yours? Well, I mean, not like in a traditional sense. <laughs> so no? Like like a touching, heartwarming humanity's not a horrible sense. We're we're doing man-made disasters. I know, is... but like <laughs> you'll see, it all makes sense. I tells you, you got this. Uh, yeah. So, man-made disasters is the topic of discussion for today. Sure is. We thought about doing natural disasters, but uh-huh. then, but then we were just like, no. Let's see what man can do when man fucks up at a well, big scale. And I feel like sometimes it's kind of like, do you consider fires man-made or natural? Well, it depends. Like the Chicago fire would have been. Where did it start? Was it like a factory gone awry or? A cow knocked over a lantern. Is that that's the, the that's, that's the common fable? That's Mother Nature fighting back, <laughs> right? So would that be Mother Nature or man-made? I don't know. That and, one we would have had I mean, to discuss. You would also have to factor in like the lack of rain or making something extremely like seasonally dry. Yeah. Mine mine is definitely man-made. Although, oh, mine's 100% man-made although too. The man is mysterious as to whom. Bum bum bum. Mine's yeah. pretty obvious. Okay. Um, it's yeah. pretty <laughs> fucked up. Um so So uh what are we drinking today? I have like cat hair stuck in my throat. I'm trying to wrangle that stupid cat. <laughs> it's uh so today I was at Lee's and I was like, okay. Yeah. I need to buy something for natural disasters well, or man made disasters. disasters. I was like, what fits this this uh-huh. this discussion? What fits this beverage? And I looked around and I was like, hmm, get maybe some tequila. Oh Cause, god. Yeah, because no. that's that's bad. I hate you know, tequila. yeah. You get some vodka. Get get something. You know, I mean, tequila causes man-made disasters. And, and then I saw this. Is it aftershock? Why? <laughs> Why? Because this is a man-made disaster. In in alcoholic, you know, I bet terms. I'll probably like it. That's what I. That was my fear. Uh, today I've got Jim Beam Apple. Uh, it came down between Jim Beam Apple and Jim Beam Peach for anyone wanting to know. You know, peaches, I feel, are more summertime fruit. Yeah. Apple is a wintertime fruit, so you should have went with peach, I bro. I should have. But, uh, yeah, I I really generally despise uh, when, when whiskeys and bourbons are infused with, like, fruit flavors. See, I um, don't think I mind it that I think, much. I think these are terrible. Uh the Applejack that we drank for the Abe Lincoln episode yeah. way back when is distilled from apples. I'm like, and it tastes good. But this is just. It's uh, let me let me read okay, the blurb. Okay, yeah, to read you. it. She's itchy. Okay. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and it it gets it all. Jim Beam Apple contains all the pride of the Beam family's 220 year history, with a refreshing take on family tradition. Ooh. Our distillers have combined fine crisped. Apple liqueur, no, with Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. No, that's just a. This is a cocktail. Yep, the that's perfect a, mix of bourbon liquor. balanced with a light, refreshing apple twist. Enjoy with soda or on the rocks. Okay. Or not at all, because you, if if you're me, 
See, if you would have got the peach one, you know what I like to do with like peach flavored things? I get some iced tea going. And then uh, I put that in there, and then you got a delightful peach iced tea. Yeah. Quite, quite the light pour, sir. Yeah. I, I mm. don't. I'm not thrilled about this. Fruity. Yeah. And Sasha's <laughs> over here like, yeah. I realized about halfway from Lee's to your place that I was like, oh, this is this is a man-made disaster, but Sasha's probably going to enjoy it. Thoughts? It's, it's really sweet. It is very sweet. Yeah. Um, don't really... Oh, there's the apple. You know what it kind of tastes like? Um, the caramel apple pops that Tootsie Roll makes. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Because you get that carameliness from the bourbon, and then you get the appleiness from the apple liqueur. But with the the after burn of the bourbon, the the regular whiskey burn on there, mm-hmm. this is nasty. I don't think it's that bad. This is gross. It's not that bad. This is a man-made disaster. We've had we've had worse. We're like, going to talk about worse. Like two weeks ago when we had high high 10, that was worse. That was pretty bad. Um, that was pretty that bad. That was worse. Um, old granddad's worse. Uh, Mellow Yellow was pretty awful. Mellow Yellow is pretty bad. Uh, the other one you brought in a handle, that was pretty bad. The Moonshine. The Moonshine <laughs> was pretty bad. We have had very bad liquor this year. But and we've also had a lot of really great ones, though. I don't know about that. Oh, God. Oh, that was a. I took another sip, and that was. Ooh, she's coming around to my my yeah, uh, my opinion I think on I'm this coming one, to, folks. I'm coming to Sean's side of things. It's pretty bad, right? Yeah, it's pretty man-made gross. disaster in a bottle. All right, want to talk Jim about Jim Beam Apple? Wanna, we don't endorse it. Want to talk about my man-made disaster? Yeah, just because you copious you, notes. Yeah, you have notes to fill a book. Um, uh, well, I read a book about this, although I'm, I did. I did, as per tradition, skip the chapters that I found didn't have anything to do with the thing I was doing. Because I often will read, like, skip whole big chunks of books because some authors like to weave a story, a tale, if you will. Yeah, but and some put in don't that know, historical context. And some don't know how to do that without losing sight of what they're actually. For the record, writing I about. felt like the book itself was written very well, and I I really liked it. Uh, but then he started talking about pre-war Halifax, and I give zero shits about that <laughs> because that's not what we're focused on today. Today, guys. We're going to be learning about the Halifax explosion of 1917. Woohoo! Yeah. I don't know why you went southern with that one. I don't know either. Like the early 1900s, I feel like a little prospector. Okay. Uh anyway. That's fair. So my subtitle for this was so that was a thing. Um I don't <laughs> know what else to say about it because That happened. Yeah, it happened and it sucked. Okay. So on November 25th, 1917, cargo was loaded onto the Mont Blanc in Graveson uh, Bay, New York. So if you don't know, 1917, what was happening, Sean? World War One. Yeah. It sucked balls. It did. Uh, people talk a lot about World War Two, but World War One, I, I think, was shittier than World War Two. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was like, yeah. oh, fuck. I'd that, rather fight in World War Two than World War One. That trench warfare. Yeah, you get, they have trench foot. Like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's how long Your you've been sitting in a hole in the ground. Your foot is just rotting off. Yeah. No, 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 no. Anyway, so middle of World War Two, World War One, all ships are kind of been commandeered to fight, help the war, and load supplies for the war to take over to France. In particular, the ship was headed towards France. Uh, so the captain of the ship was Ami Joseph Marie Le Medic. 
Uh, he had no idea what was being loaded into his ship. Hey, if you're a captain, get a little quick list yeah, before yeah. people start loading stuff gonna on. Gonna need a manifesto um, before you put that yeah. on my boat. But what he did know was that the ship was being outfitted with special lining to keep the cargo hermetically sealed and immobile. So if I saw that happening to my ship, I would be like... Can I just see the the cargo list really quick? <laughs> That'd be great. Can I have a quick peek? Uh, the ship was then loaded under protection of armed guards and Steve Doors, which I guess Steve Doors. Steve Doors. That's Steve what I'm Doors, calling oh them. My God. <laughs> the ship people. Um, ship people. Ship Ooh, people were loading cargo with canvas covers on their feet <laughs> to prevent sparkage. What do you mean, ship people? Yeah. Shit, people. Uh, the French government finally told Lamadec what he would be sailing with to France. Specifically, his cargo consisted of 62 tons of gun cotton, which is basically dynamite, 246 tons of benzol, which is uh, airplane fuel, mm -hmm. uh, 250 tons of TNT, and 2,366 tons of pyric acid. Uh so that is 3,000 tons of explosives or 6 million pounds of explosives. I mean, I don't want to say that this seems dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was a great idea. And so he had to take all this cargo to Bordeaux, France, um, via the Atlantic Ocean and all them U-boats. Yep. Because them Germans, they loved submarines early on. They did. Uh -huh. From the beginning. So... The original convoy that Lemedec was supposed to join um, was in New York, but the commander of the New York convoy was like, your boat is going to be too slow because it's going to be too heavy. So you can't, <laughs> you can't come with us. You can't sit with us. <laughs> it wasn't, it's going to be too heavy. So you have to go on your own. It wasn't, yo, maybe we should spread this load out amongst all no, of no. us. No, no. It's like, bitch, you're too heavy. You can't sit with us. And so they're like, but. There's going to be this other convoy leaving from Halifax, Nova Scotia, that will be okay with you, kind of. So go up to them, because Halifax was a huge port uh, city in North America. Yeah. Which everybody knew about. Um, so, But then he was also told, like, bitch, if you fall behind, here's this special route you have to follow to Bordeaux. Because <laughs> we don't want to catch up with you because U-boats are fucking scary. They are. I mean, <laughs> and they were. Yeah. And so... Hey, what's that metal thing? Oh, we're dead. Yeah. So, and convoys were the easiest way to prevent being attacked by U-boats because they could be like see you the warships up front and then like you know they'd explode the u-boat before the u-boat could explode them these are all very technical terms okay so on december 1st the mont blanc set off for halifax so uh if you're not familiar with sailing the atlantic coast of america which i know sean is an expert on i am i've done um, it 17 times yeah by myself he circumnavigated north america several times how can you circumnavigate a continent i don't know <laughs> i don't know words so <laughs> i went from seattle to halifax uh-huh so it's super choppy water just went um, right through mexico <laughs> fuck the panama canal yeah, just carried your boat over on your back. Yep. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's super choppy water, which was even more intensified by a horrible storm. So everybody on the crew basically shit their pants for four days because they're like, shit, 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 
shit. If the shit. storm doesn't kill us, the U-boats will. And the, all the explosives yep. that were tied down, but not tied down great. So with every huge wave, they're like, fuck. It's like, it's like the naval whoopsies episode we did. Uh-huh. The, the, yeah, that ship that I talked yeah. about. Yeah. At least they didn't have shit just rolling off the deck. Yeah. So they finally made it to like the entryway of Halifax Harbor. Um, and they noticed, oh, what are all these steel buoys doing? Well, Halifax Harbor put up a gate basically underwater so U-boats couldn't get into the harbor. Hmm. So they would open and close the gate every day. And they actually had closed the gate early that day at 4.30 p.m. So they were told that they had to just kind of chillax outside in choppy water and just like live their life just deal with yeah. it yeah meanwhile Who, who's the one guy with nerves of steel who's like i'm going to bed yeah later guys <laughs> see you well, all in the morning uh the harbor mass not the harbor master one of the harbor pilots that gets on at the harbor to help ships be guided in yeah he was like i'm gonna smoke this cigar and the captain's like fuck no <laughs> <laughs> I banned, I banned all forms of fire. Right, you smoke that. I'm going to throw your ass yeah. overboard. We just eat SpaghettiOs cold out of the can here. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even cook. Um, so you can't even rub your hands together uh-huh. really fast. If all you're right? cold, just give the other guy a hug. That's all we do here. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the only heat source uh-huh. on this boat, spooning. Yeah. If you want something else, get off my fucking boat. <laughs> um, so meanwhile, in the harbor... Uh, there was a late delivery of coal to the U.S. Emo from Norway, so he couldn't get out before the gates closed. Hmm. So, you know, hmm. that was cool. So the next morning, uh, the Mont Blanc waited until the gates opened, which was at like 7.30, and started going through the narrows of Halifax Harbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day as well, the Emo was like, great, we're behind, Fuck everybody in this harbor. Let's go. So they start cruising out the motherfucking harbor, going like above the harbor speed limit because that's a thing. And well, yeah, they're just like taking off. They're just like whoosh. as you do. That's yeah, how, that's how I made trip number fourteen so fast. Yeah, you just just whoosh. took off. Speed limits don't matter. What boat cops? Come on. Actually, I've been pulled over by boat cops before. Ah. I was uh, don't drunk kayak at Tahoe. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So, Emo's barreling down the harbor on the wrong side of the strait. There's like an international rule where like yeah. one goes on one side, one goes on the other. But it's just like hauling ass one side of the strait. Mont Blanc is like, please nobody touch me. I'm a 16-year-old just learning how to drive. Please. That sort of situation. <laughs> and so... Hands at 10 and 2, sitting yeah. straight up, pale, sweaty. Yeah, the emo is like, beep, beep, get out of my way, because they all communicated with, like, horns and s- yeah. whistles. I guess the whistles would be the better term. <laughs> but the emo was like, beep, beep, I'm coming this way, get out of my way. And then Mont Blanc was like, beep, 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 I have the right of way, get the fuck back to your side, Yeah, beep. And then the emo's like, beep, beep, no. <laughs> and then Mont Blanc was like, Beep, beep, beep. Yes, get out of the way. And then Emo is like, no. (laughs) This is a fascinating transcript. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, the Mount Block was like, oh, shit, he's not getting out of the way. And then the Emo was like, oh, shit, he's not getting out of the way. What a dumb shit. 
Um, now let's back up just a little bit when they started first going down the Halifax Harbor because it's wartime. They weren't necessarily um, obligated to fly a red flag signifying that they had amuni- ammunitions on board. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have that flag. It up. was kind of presumed that pretty much any ship could be carrying. Yeah. And yeah. also you don't want the U-boats to see that you have a red flag mm-hmm. and be like, we're blowing that shit up. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have that. But so the emo sees that the Mont Blanc isn't like going to the other side of the harbor. Mont Blanc sees that the emo's not going to the other side of the harbor. So the only recourse they have in their minds is to toss it in reverse. Okay. So they're both reversing. And then the captain of Mont Blanc is like, this dude's going to run into us. But I know I have in like hold one TNT, but I don't understand what other things are. So I'm going to (laughs) go with them hitting my other holds that don't have TNT. Yeah. So he angles the boat. So when the emo hits him it's not going to hit the tnt directly so instead it hits the side of the boat with the petric acid and the benzol which is also being (laughs) stored on the deck of the mont block as well i have a feeling acid and rocket fuel yeah airplane fuel do not go together very well basically runs into mont blanc and they're like well shit but it's fine it's just like it sucks but You know, we'll call your insurance guy and you'll call my insurance guy. (laughs) Let me just back my boat out. So as they're backing the emo out, sparks ignite the benzol that has been spilled all over the deck. Yep. And at this point, the captain of the Mont Blanc is like, fuck. (laughs) Because everything's on fire now and it's like black plumes of smoke. Yeah. Pumes. Humes of smoke. <laughs> um, so, are you okay? No. <laughs> um, so he's like, "Fuck this, abandon ship, everybody, get the fuck off." <laughs> yeah, I mean, reasonable response. And so they said that they were yelling to everybody that they saw that, "Hey, this is full of explosives. Everybody, get off." Problem was, Montblanc is French. The boat is French. Everybody on the boat speaks. A French. <laughs> so they were yelling in French to everybody around them that, get the fuck off, get the fuck off, we're going to blow. Uh, so that happened. And so the captain abandoned ship too, even though he tried not to, but whatever, he abandoned ship. They put it in like gear and like tied the wheel down so they thought it would drift somewhere safe. Yeah. But it didn't. Uh-oh. So uh, we'll tell we'll talk about the crew real real quick. So the crew was like rowing like motherfuckers to Darthmouth Island, not island like shoreline, and they're like, "We're getting the fuck out of here!" And so, personally, if I was on the emo and saw a bunch of all the crew of that ship getting the fuck out of there, well, I mean, when the other boat's on fire, yeah, that would be. Of a sign, hey, maybe we shouldn't go that direction. Yeah, maybe we should also get the fuck out of here. Um, and if I were people on the shore, I'd maybe be like, huh, something seems wrong. But instead, people came to watch all of this go down on the shoreline. So people are just like checking Rub- it out. Rubbernecking is uh-huh. fun. <laughs> so the crew runs to Dartmouth Island. This was an island, not the island, the shoreline. And it was, this is where the Native Americans people of Canada were there. I forget their, let me look at my notes. They were like the Mimic. Mimic indians and so one of them was out one of this lady was out watching the boats like burn and so he, <laughs> she had her little her daughter with her and the crew was like 
let's run. But they're talking in French and they're like, come with us, lady. And she wouldn't move. And so one of them just took the baby and took off running into the forest because he's like, we got to get out of here. Yeah. So that is the only, those are the only two people that crew saved. <laughs> the ballot effort by I mean, them. I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so she was saved by them. Um, but meanwhile, back on the boat, it began to drift towards Pier 6 in Halifax. Mm-hmm. So once people saw it drifting, they're like, oh, shit, this boat's on fire. Let's tie it down and, you know, put it out. Yeah. Because we're people and we're good people. So they tried to tie it down. And then once they realized that the boat wasn't going to be put out, they were like, well, fuck. <laughs> let's... <laughs> let's tow it back out to sea and like get it away from the harbor because everything's made of wood. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty solid thinking. Yeah. And so getting it away, not making everything of wood. They tie it, they tie it up and they're trying to take it out to sea. There's this tugboat that's helping out, but it was too late at nine Oh five PM. The TNT and other elements of the hold were ignited, causing the largest explosion in North America and the largest explosion in the world until atomic bombs would be dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yep. Um, shortly after the explosion, because it's in water, uh, there was a tsunami with 35-foot waves carrying survivors miles from where they stood. Yep. Air and sound waves that came with the explosion blew out basically all the windows in the city. Yeah. And it's Nova Scotia in December <laughs> so despite it being a very nice and mild day on the day the explosion happened, shit's going to go down later. Yeah, yeah. It got, it got <laughs> a wee bit on the cold side. Uh-huh. So the official count is 1,953 people who died, but Damn. many people think that number is incredibly under. Uh, most experts today put that number close to 3,000, or roughly 5% of the population of Halifax. Wow. 9,000 were wounded, and 25,000 were left homeless. That's about 15% of the population of Halifax were wounded. Damn. Uh, All these estimates are, again, a bit off because people who were close to the boat got vaporized. Mm. Pier 6 was demolished and all areas were basically flattened around Pier 6. So, like, nothing was left standing. Um, So, people began to search for their family members and neighbors in the rubble. However, because it was winter, everybody had their fires going because they were cold and so as the rubble started to catch on fire. Um, so people were still searching in order to try to save people and get them out before the fire got to them. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> um, a local uh, fort had an ammunition store oh. and it got out that it was about to explode. It really wasn't. They caught like the burning embers pretty quick and were able to put it out. That's so good. that meant that hundreds of survivors were told to go to higher ground and were put off searching and putting off fires. Yeah. So people who could have been saved at very m- close to the initial blast weren't because other people had to go to high ground because they yeah. didn't want to suffer another explosion. Right. Um, while the ammunition's depot didn't blow, uh, hospitals were destroyed and also telegraph and telephone lines were destroyed as well. Mm-hmm. So they had no way to contact the outside world. But... At 8.49 a.m., when the collision first happened, which was at 8.45, there was a train worker named Coleman who saw that shit was going down and there was a huge fire and that the Pier 6 was kind of close to the rail station. So he was able to uh, telegraph the 
next station over Richmond and say, hey, stop the train. Don't let it come into town. And so people were like, oh, shit, something's happening in Halifax. That's good. And then additionally, George Graham, who worked for Dominion Atlantic Railway, was eating breakfast kind of towards the outskirts of town and saw 400 rail cars next to him get completely like demolished and turned over. So he was like, "Okay, I better telegram the main office and tell him to send help. He tried that. Telegraph lines were down. So he walked about an hour to Rockingham to get word out asking for a relief train. Okay, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. By 11.30 a.m., so the explosion happened at 9.05. By 11.30, they, the people of Halifax organized a relief committee to better rescue, to better encourage rescue efforts. Sure. Meanwhile, in America, because Uh-oh. USA, 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 uh, <laughs> at 10.13 a.m., Boston received word of the tragedy, but not a lot of, uh, not a lot of details that was going on because they only got the one telegraph that... George Graham was able to get out right. and kind of dispersed from there. Don't send trains. Yeah, don't, don't <laughs> send trains, but send relief. We need yeah, help. Yeah. Um, and so they kept on trying to get in touch with Halifax, but they didn't get any word from Halifax. So they had just established a relief committee as a preemptive strike for emergencies. Mm-hmm. So they were like, well, fuck, this is a great time to test this. Let's do this. I don't care. We're not getting any responses. Let's get a train together and send it to Halifax. Yeah, it's like we wouldn't get... A response in an actual emergency, most yeah. likely. So by 10 p.m. that night, they had outfitted a train with medical personnel and supplies and started heading to Halifax, not knowing what they were getting into, just knowing that there was a call for help. And they're like, fuck it, let's go. That's good. Yeah. So all over Canada, people were rallying to help the victims of the explosion. It also helped that their like prime minister at the time, who wasn't, I guess, technically a prime minister because they were still under government, like, english british rule but whatever he was from halifax oh so he he even went to halifax to help out with the relief effort that's good yeah because he was like oh shit this is my hometown what a concept politicians actually doing shit so they basically continued relief efforts into the night however that night on december was december 6th that that the explosion happened a blizzard rolled in dumping about 16 inches of snow on the ground great for keeping bodies cold (laughs) Yeah. Horrible for rescuing other people. Yep. So it was pretty bad. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Talk about kicking a city while yeah. they're down, man. And so, so what's that? You just blew up? How's this? Do you like my uh, my square tipped uh, boot to yeah. your balls? Yeah, right there. <laughs> and also the whole city was waterlogged from the tsunami. So it was cold, slush, yeah. ice, snow grossness and this is before cars that really were good in the snow so all the cars they were using in the relief effort basically broke down that day because it was freezing ass cold yep um so by december 8th so two days after the explosion the doctors from boston arrived uh giving the workers of halifax and surrounding areas much a much needed respite because they've basically been working non-stop without sleep performing eye removals and picking out glass and amputations mm-hmm. just wherever they could wherever which was probably a lot of places yeah yeah and so uh the people from boston were like fuck this is way worse than we thought we're yeah. gonna need more help so they actually did get more help from boston uh boston relief stayed around actually for a while to help them rebuild too so in honor to honor boston the next year in 1918 they actually found the biggest christmas tree they could and sent it to boston 
which is nice. That's cool. And then once uh, Canada got free from British rule completely, they decided to redo that tradition. So now every year, Boston gets a huge tree from Halifax. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it comes from a really fucking yeah, shitty origin. But it's a way to say thanks because I think in like old timey numbers, they donated like almost $3 million or something yeah. to... Um, just to help. Yeah, just to help the group. And that's kind of impressive. That's a lot of money back then. Uh-huh. But, uh, they, yeah. That's, wow. That's... Yeah, and they just okay, did see, it out of the kindness of their own hearts. See, yours <laughs> yours has that, that little silver lining for the goodness of humanity. Yeah. Oh, man. But there's more. I apologize about mine. Uh, but I closed out of my notes for some reason. Okay, so... That was basically it about the explosion. It happened. A lot of people died. A lot of people were injured. A lot of orphans were made, including a lot of orphans died because, like, one of the orphanages completely collapsed and, like, killed all the orphans. There were great touching... Like, this book is great because there are a lot of, like, touching moments of, like, humanity helping one another and just, like, neighbor helping neighbor. And it really showed, like, people can come together in a time of strife. Yeah. However... Why you got to bring us down? Can't you just leave it at that? <sighs> this fucking... Here's the frustrating part. Can we blame Trump? I wish. <laughs> so, of course, when an accident happens, naval or otherwise, there's usually a trial or an inquiry to figure out what happened and what went wrong. So This is correct. We can put in precautions to perhaps, I don't know, make it better in the future. Yes. So, about a week after the accident, on December 13th, the inquiry started to determine what happened to cause the explosion. Yes. So, unfortunately, the captain of the emo, his name was From, uh, was killed in the explosion. Well, rather the tsunami after the explosion, like he was in the boat and then it got <laughs> slammy slammed. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah. um, there was no testimony from him or the other the harbor master on the emo uh, because he also died. Did, did these guys get off the hook? Oh, we'll see. So uh, the Mont Blanc, everybody, you know, survived from that. And they hired a really shitty lawyer. The emo hired a really awesome lawyer. But I'm going to call him douchebag lawyer. Yeah. Because this guy would often lie and lie to witnesses and railroad them into telling him, telling the judge what he wanted to hear. I see. The judge himself was Arthur Drysdale, who sided with the emo and their dick lawyer. Um, also playing into part of this was anti-French sentiment sentiment Yeah. because Nova Scotia, for those of you who are not familiar with Canada stuff, mm -hmm. is not the French part of Canada. It is not it is, in the French provinces. Uh-huh. And the French provinces and the English provinces do not quite get along. I don't know if that's the case today. I but don't back know. then, they all fucking hated each other is well, what I got. Remember that uh, there's a big separatist movement well, yeah not, not big but it's still a very vocal separatist mm -hmm. minority i guess you could say of french canada yeah so rival rivalry maybe yeah so despite the emo going too fast for the harbor and being on the wrong side of the narrows the judge said that the mont blanc crew was at fault and should be tried for manslaughter oh boo and also it never looks good when you abandon ship i guess 
the Nova Scotia Supreme Court later freed the crew, the captain and the crew of the Mont Blanc. It wasn't the whole crew of the Mont Blanc. It was just... The survivors? No. Everybody survived. <laughs> I think well, there was only one death from the Mont Blanc. Wow. they all got the fuck off. That's good. Um, so it was the captain, the harbor pilot that, you know, helped some guy through the harbor. Yeah. And then a, like a harbor master all got held for manslaughter and then nova scotia supreme court was like you know yeah we're gonna pass on that one that's good good so next comes uh the civil trial so in 1918 in april the civil trial began began but guess who presided over the civil trial oh come on the same fucking judge from before judge drysdale dude which seems completely wrong it does it's like a hundred percent wrong in my mind seems like a conflict of interest yeah i already found these guys guilty let's have me and try he them basically a second said that he's like you know i've already heard this evidence and i already know what i'm gonna say there's nothing really that can change my mind but God. let's go ahead with this damn it and they had people from other boats who were impartial saying no it was totally the emo's fault like he was on the wrong side and he was going hella fast so of course uh, the judge sided with Emo and said Mont Blanc was at uh, fault. Damn. But this time, Mont Blanc had a better lawyer. So they were like, fuck this. We're going to the Supreme Court. Hell yeah. Yeah. And so the court itself was made up of three British Canadians and two French Canadians. So odds weren't great. Two of the British sided with Mont Blanc causing the explosion, while the French were, of course, for the Emo causing the explosion. Sure. The third guy was like, both of these bitches are at fault. <laughs> like, it's equal parts bad. No, so I'm right, saying really. that both of them were at fault. Well, the Mont Blanc could have done things and could have went to the other side of the Narrows and all that stuff. So he was like, technically, both of you guys are at fault. And they're like, okay. And he also didn't like that everybody abandoned ship and got no word to other people that they were carrying explosives. So for the French, so the French decided, well, let's side with this British guy because it'll give us the majority and basically both at fault. Both parties are at fault. Right. So that's what they said. And then Dick Lawyer, Burchell, was like, fuck this shit to the <laughs> highest court of the land, which is the Privy Council in London. And the highest court in the land, which is consisted of three lords, was just like, dude, both of them were at fault. <laughs> Like, uh. like we've decided that both of them were at fault. So the Mount Blanc men, you know, were at fault because they didn't let people know. Basically, they said they didn't let anybody know that there were six million pounds of explosives on the ship, even though the emo had more seafaring law violations against wasn't, them. Wasn't there probably some sort of a rule about radio silence? Yeah, well, the thing was, they checked in with the harbor master, like, visited them on the boat, and they're like, what do you got here? And he's like, explosives. So that guy knew. One guy on shore knew. The harbor pilot knew. Uh -huh. And the captain knew. So, like, three or four people knew about the explosives, well, but that's it. I can imagine that that's all they're required to tell. Yeah, but at the same time, when they were running off the boat, nobody, they never got, like, word to anybody on shore. They're, if they're not on the boat, they don't exactly have a radio with them. How yeah, can they do that? Yeah, and I don't that? think they had a lot of radios back. There wasn't a lot of radio talk here. And that's, so, well, yeah, and that's the other issue. So, yeah, but they, so that's why the Privy Council cited that both of them were at fault. And so that's how it ended, was basically that both ships were at fault for the explosion. So how much did it cost whoever... Uh... I didn't really say. Okay. 
But really, it was a group effort to rebuild Halifax. And now it's a thriving port city again. But that's good. The basic ground zero of the whole explosion or like on land ground zero has uh, they put up a shipbuilding factory in its place. Which is kind of a dick move. That seems like a big old middle yeah. finger. That I would have gone with a memorial, personally. Yeah. <laughs> they have a memorial in a park that's farther up, but like, come on, dudes. Yeah. So uh, I read The Great Halifax Explosion, a World War One story of treachery, tragedy, and extraordinary heroism by John Eubacon. I that, don't know where treachery comes from. That is, that read the is, whole fucking book. Don't know where treachery comes from. That's a, that's a fascinating <laughs> uh, uh, book. I wish I read a book. Mine were just mostly government reports and, and yeah. sources. But for the record, <laughs> it's a really good book if you guys want to learn more. Um, it really gets into the personal stories and it follows like some survivors, which is neat. That's cool. I would, I highly recommend it. He's a good writer. Mm-hmm. Minus the part where he just talked about how Halifax was before World War One. Yeah. <laughs> at, at the I'm most, I'm sure it was man. entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> a few paragraphs in the intro, man. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need several chapters. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, so that that's was fascinating. The Halifax explosion. Sorry, it took so long. I'm really, I'm really sorry that the Mont Blanc got at least partially blamed for that. Yeah, because I'm like, but the emo was on the wrong side of the road. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, but why? <laughs> grumble, grumble. I know. I was so pissed off when I read that. I was like, why isn't Sean on? I need to talk to him right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, mine, uh, which is mercifully a wee bit shorter. Okay, sorry again. Um, <laughs> I always love to talk. My my topic. I decided to go out of the West because you know you know how typically it's like oh didn't happen in America or the English speaking world it matter. didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. So I would like to talk about what is I I'm pretty sure by death count and by impact as far as number of people affected mm-hmm. the largest man made disaster in history. Okay. It's the including the atomic bombs. Well. Those are different. Those were military attacks. But they were man-made. Yeah, but it's hardly a disaster when it's a deliberate act of violence. Disaster, mm, true. Disaster connotates accident. Okay. <laughs> um, so this is the Bhopal disaster. Uh, for those wondering, B H O P A L. Uh, it happened in the city of Bhopal. Who'd have thought? I would like to say, Bhopal. 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 The O comes after the H. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so Bhopal is in, it's the capital city of the state uh, Madhya Pradesh in India. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right. I, I stole it from a documentary. We could go ask my neighbors. <laughs> Racist. No, they're so, <laughs> from India. <laughs> so this, uh, yeah, so it happened on the night of December 2nd and the morning of December 3rd, 1984. What is with December? That's around my time. I don't know, right? Holy shit. Uh, so it it happened at a pesticide plant, which you know is not a good start to this story. So Roundup? No. <laughs> uh, so the plant belonged to uh, Union Carbide India Limited, UCIL, um, the majority of which was owned by the, Un- the Union Carbide Corporation, UCC. Um, it was like 59.9%, I think. If I want to go to the store, what brand would I be purchasing? Oh, just just wait. Okay. Um, so the rest of the, the corporation, however, was owned by the Indian government and mm. thus the public. Oh, that's kind of cool, actually. So. Uh, I mean, like they get profits and. 
<laughs> sure, you're raping our land, but profits. So the UCC mm-hmm. is now owned by the Dow Chemical Corporation in the U.S. Huh. So Did they pick it up in a fire sale after this incident? <laughs> a little after, yeah. <laughs> a, little, a little over a decade. Yeah. I bet they were like, um, cha-ching! Uh, so that's, that's the context this all takes place in. Okay. So for those that care to know the scientific shit... Uh, the plant produced the pesticide uh, 7-S-E-V-I-N, which was the brand name for the insecticide uh, Carbaryl is the, the chemical. Never heard of it. Uh, now, so this process uses methyl isocyanite, which is uh, yes. M-I-C for short. I'll refer to it a bunch, so that's why it's okay, being named. Okay. Um, but basically, M-I-C was also processed at this site, but... Pesticides kind of started getting a little less popular as populations expanded. We like organic shit, yo. Well, I mean, this was the rapid population rise in India left less plants and life. Mm, Um, Got it. Beginning in the 1980s, uh, India saw a really big drop in the demand for carbaryl. So there was a shit ton of MIC stored on site. I can uh, because they, see this go bad. They didn't have anyone buying from them, so they didn't need to turn it into carbaryl. Okay. And that, Sasha, is what we call foreshadowing. Okay, it's a flammable. The the plant had three giant containers that uh-huh. were stored underground that they stored uh, oh, MIC in. That right? doesn't seem good. Like, why was it no, underground? Let me let me uh, let me redefine what I mean by giant here, because I don't think it gets across. Each container was meant to hold 68,000 liters or 60 tons of MIC. Yeah, that's a lot of... Uh, Due to... Why was it underground? Yeah. Why? Uh, mostly as to like... To keep it cool or... Mostly as like a safety thing. Okay. But we'll get to the so, safety minimum. So it was technically they were doing what they were supposed to? More or less. Okay. Um, But let me get to that here. <sighs> okay. Now... In these tanks, that's where it's stored until it's pumped out to make yes. carburetor. Yeah. So there's also a lot of pressurized gas in there so that you can pump it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the accident happened when a bunch of water, and I mean a lot of water. Where? India is very droughty. Yeah, but they still have wells and shit. Yeah, that's true, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so a bunch of water got into one of these tanks, causing it to overflow. This stuff all leaked out. Boom. Gas leak. That's uh-huh. what happened, right? So the people in charge are supposed to make sure this stuff is safe, right? Yes, one would hope. Right. Is it like in the heart of a city or town or anything? Or is it like on the outskirts? Like what's um, the population density, would we say? Well, Bhopal, well, it was a capital city of a big state. So it's a it's a full city. Yeah. It's big. I didn't look up population or density. But in typical Indian fashion... The the plant that seems racist. <laughs> the they have yet to prove me wrong. The plant was surrounded by all the poor folk. Oh ba- yes. Basically, around the plant was the shanty town where all the poor folks lived. Oh, that sucks. And yeah, for those of you who don't know, India still has a pretty tight caste system. Very rigid caste system. Yeah. So there. there ain't no way to get out of that. Yeah. Shanty town. Um, but it's not a big deal if it's safe. Yeah. Right. Sure. So this is where it gets a little mysterious. I have a quick side note. My sister's a civil engineer, right? Yeah. So we'll drive by factories and she's like, we're in the zone we shouldn't be in. Those (laughs) houses would all be destroyed if this plant malfunctioned. And I'm like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Uh, So anyway, 
Um, this is where shit gets mysterious because there's two, basically, you know that meme where there's one Spider-Man pointing at another Spider-Man? Uh-huh. That's basically how fault is assigned for this one. They're both just pointing at each other going, uh-uh, you. There's two... Was it a nose ghost situation? <laughs> nose ghost. Yeah. So the first idea of, you know, who's at blame is uh, company negligence, of course. Well, yeah. Right. So over the years, <laughs> there were kind of some reports that the place was unsafe. Just some little hints. Uh, they they didn't fund training. They didn't. <sighs> they didn't. They didn't fund repairs. Maintenance workers. So I take it OSHA wasn't around. <laughs> <laughs> Maintenance workers were undertrained. Uh huh. Facilities were in disrepair. And one report that I saw found that the uh, plant's alarms hadn't worked in like half a decade. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Uh, proper safety protocols were never followed, if they had even been established. And as a result, <sighs> workers going about their day accidentally caused the leak. Right. Yeah. Um, specifically, and this, this part is fact, wa- workers were using water to clean a bunch of nearby equipment. Yeah. And, and, but then supposedly, uh, water accidentally got into one of these MIC tanks causing the leak. But if the tank was well equipped and secured, there shouldn't have been a way for water to get into it unless they needed to vent See? the gases. You are thinking like a person who has safety in mind. Well, yeah. So believe it or not, th- well, this it's one of those things. It's not really believe it or not because it's all just a big fucking gray area. Yeah. But there is some evidence to support the idea of company negligence, right? Yeah. Obviously, they weren't exactly the best when it came to promoting mm-hmm. safety. Um, but the evidence that we have that actually puts that as causing this is more circumstantial than not. For example... Multiple times in the 70s, mm-hmm. and I mean like a lot. Yeah. Employees complained about pollution inside the plant or... You can't even keep the building clean? Oh, like, oh, dudes. It, it gets worse. Not just in the plant, in the chemicals <laughs> or in like the processing of the chemicals I've noticed itself. these chemicals aren't very clean. <laughs> yeah. We're supposed to use this and there's a Big Mac in it. Like, yeah, like... um, <laughs> It's not my Big Mac. <laughs> yeah. I don't... Does secret sauce work? Um <laughs> So, uh, on one occasion in 1981, a worker was moving uh, some chemicals, and he got splashed with a bunch of stuff that from just a pipe that just, just wasn't functional. Just wash it off. Yeah. Uh, by the way, when he got splashed, it killed him. Yeah. That's not a splash. Yeah. I don't. Now I think back to chemistry class in the <laughs> showers. Yep. Uh, I read the report that used the word splash and i was like that's not the right word no 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 Um, no no. was it in his mouth like how (laughs) so there were a series of gas leaks in 1982 that hit dozens of workers who had not been trained to wear gas masks nor had they been provided (laughs) gas masks right uh there were some dude from osha is just like oh my god i can't i can't right now he hears this and just goes dude and then just like sits there stewing in Uh the corner there were other gas leaks over the years there were uh, several private investigations of the place and warnings were just ignored so they were just like yeah we're gonna do a very serious question was homer simpson the safety (laughs) inspector for this Um, plant no because okay the safety inspector that went and gave it a serious look over in Uh 1982 found 61 hazards 
30 of which he defined as major. How was it not shut down like right I away? I don't know. But the repairs that were done, those that actually were, were basically superficial. So they, they duct tape. They endured another inspection mm-hmm. and everyone was like, okay, this is better. And then they immediately just like broke down again. It's like when I clean for my mom when mm-hmm. she comes to visit. It's just <laughs> like real but, quick, superficial, shove everything under a couch. But here's the crazy shit. Everything I just described, uh-huh. none of it related to this disaster. So that's, I mean... Like, it's a terrible track record, and you look at it and you go, you fuckers. It kind of justifies the poor quality of the factory, because everything we're doing was still okay. It's just this freak accident. Right. So they're probably still doing it the horrible way. (laughs) God damn it. So the second thought uh, as to what happened boils down to sabotage. Sabotage? Ecotage? Cue Beastie Boys music. There you go. That was not. Oh, that was bad. We're going to get sued. You know, yeah, it's short (laughs) enough. Don't worry about it. So uh, the UCC has maintained constantly that the actual accident as like confirmed as it happened. Yeah. Was not actually possible the way it's been described by workers. So who did they think sabotaged them? They think the workers did. Because the workers are like, this shit is terribly unsafe. We were cleaning a pipe and it was an accident. And then the UCC just looks at the actual evidence and goes, no, that's not possible. And it's not. Like, I read through it and I was like, yeah. motherfucker, it's not. Like, But at the same time, what would the employees, because I assume all of them died in this accident. Uh, they were able to get out. It was only a gas leak. Like, okay. it never burned or anything like that. Uh-huh. Um, I couldn't find the number of employees that died. Mm. Everyone just talked about the surrounding shanty towns. Um, but anyway, I'll but get, it also could have been that. like a gas fight situation, Zoolander style. Like the yeah. employees were just dicking around, and right. they like were dicking around too much. So the the in- investigation found that when water got into the tank, as yeah. I discussed earlier, workers were using water to clean a totally different nearby series yeah. of pipes. Uh, the investigation found and was like like definitively proven. In order for water to get into the tank, yeah, the workers would have had to actually hook the water hose directly to the tank that That's linked. what I was thinking. Like, yeah. it wouldn't just drain. But I've got a quick question. Yes. Who uh, who uh, funded this uh, investigation? Was it a third party not associated with uh, either? Basically, everybody. Okay. They, they've all done it. The Indian government has. UCC has. Independent parties have. And they all come with the same conclusion. Pretty much. This this is fact. Because I don't this want is, it to yeah. be like UCC was like, yeah. here's $500. No. Tell us how no, it went, no, no. bud. No, no, no. Okay. So, um, but the workers, you know, it, they would have had to hook the hose directly to this pipe to clean it all out. Uh-huh. The equipment they were using to do this cleaning wasn't actually capable of moving that much water or pressurizing it enough to cause it to leak. So the whole idea of it being an accident, it's not possible. Shit. So they did do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the but pipes, the water, why? and the pipes that the water would have had to go through for it to have been an accident mm. were completely dry. This is some ecotage shit right? right here. So witnesses testified uh, that as the incident was occurring and everybody was leaving, one guy found a hose next uh-huh. to the offending tank. <gasps> Get this. And guess what? Turned it off. Water was running through it. <gasps> yep. 
Uh, forensic investigations found that workers had attempted to alter logs and destroy and alter other log entries. They did it! Right? <laughs> um, basically, actual evidence uh, backed by testimony shows that someone deliberately put water into that tank. They fucking did it! Yeah. What asshole did it? So my, my personal theory, they've never been able... Yeah. Like, they have this, but they can't identify any individuals that were responsible. There's not Shit. enough evidence to do that part. So my personal theory is that the workers were unhappy with the constant fucking threat of being blown up or something by yeah. all this shit. So they sabotaged it all to try to cause an accident to sort of force it to get better. And then and then shit just got out of hand. They didn't realize like how bad it actually was yeah. to do it. Yeah, because when it went wrong. It went hella wrong. Holy shit, Sasha. It went wrong. 600,000 people were exposed to the, gla- the, the gas cloud that uh-huh. night. 558,000 people were hurt. Mm-hmm. 4,000 of them permanently hurt and disabled. The more or less immediate official death toll was put at just under 3,800, although Dang. with government estimates that account for latent effects like long-term illnesses yeah. and shit, the death toll is more than 15,000, not to mention people that have had like birth defects and are still sick. Dude. Um, and you can't yeah. just like you can't just move away from that area. You're yeah. stuck there in that's, that caste system, dude. That's the worst part yeah. is that it's still inhabited, uh-huh. but all this shit is in the ground. Like the water's bad. They the can't. The land is bad because the caste system is so rigid and they're so poor they can't leave. They can't Chernobyl that yeah. shit. They can't just be like we're out of nope, here. They can't. Um, so, needless to say, a shit ton of lawsuits have been filed. Well, I would hope so. <laughs> They were initially filed in the United States so as to have independent arbiters. Um, because remember, the Indian government and public was part of <laughs> and owners then of the, this. The U.S. was like, we don't want to do this. Yeah, that's that's my thing. You had this heartwarming little bit about how humanity kind of came yeah. together. The U.S. went, no, and well, just sent it back to India. <laughs> so you know whose problem it is? England. They should have went to England first. It's like they. Right. It's like they're kid who grew up and went to college and has a family of its own and shit goes wrong you don't go to your (laughs) uncle america you go to your dad england and be like dude i fucked up so you ready for the laughably insulting part okay ucc offered to set up a a, a relief fund how much do you think it was like 20 bucks (laughs) and a snickers five million six hundred thousand people exposed and they offered a $5 million fund. You know, in 1917, <laughs> during a great war, people from Boston were giving more money to people they didn't even know in Halifax. Right. Fuck, um, fuck you, CC. Uh, the Indian government just kind of laughed at this settlement offer. They were like, are, uh, are, yeah. you, are you fucking kidding us? And then they passed the Bhopal Gas Leak Disaster Act, which formally allowed the Indian government to represent all the hurt in legal cases, meaning it was kind of like, okay, we don't need another country's court system yeah. to oversee this we, shit. We accept that we fucked up as yeah. part owners in this, but we also yeah. need to sue our partner because yeah. they're horrible. They were the majority owner and were yeah. responsible. So long story short, there was basically a shit ton of negotiation. Um, the UCC ended up paying $470 million. Still not enough, but okay. In, in 1989, and they also had to fund like hospitals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And in 1990, the Indian Supreme Court ordered the government to actually purchase medical insurance 
for um, people that would eventually come forward with latent long-term effects. That's kind of nice. So people that, that yeah. didn't know they were affected or were affected but didn't know the extent like, of it. Like thought they had a cold that week yeah. and then like two months later they're growing a head out of the side of their head. Exactly. They can now go to the Indian government and be like, hey, remember when this happened? I'm pretty sure that's what this is. But it's still probably a bitch to do. Yeah, but they, they have a recourse to do that. Yeah. Because um, you buy medical insurance for a hundred thousand people, that's that policy was made to cover a hundred thousand people that come forward in the mm-hmm. future. I think it's still good um, because you know when you have shanty towns of hundreds of thousands of people around a plant that were exposed, yeah, you tend to treat and examine six hundred thousand people. I mean, if you're a doctor and you need to study the effects of this, I mm-hmm. mean, you got a perfect case study right there. Yep. So that that was it. Uh, 15,000 dead, 558,000 hurt at the very Fuck. least temporarily. About yeah, about 4,000 permanently disabled, 15,000 dead. Uh there's Damn. still a bunch of legal shit going on. Like Dow is constantly named since they bought UCC. They've well, been named. Well, cuz if you defendants. were like born around then, you'd be our age now. Yeah. And so like you were exposed to that as a little a wee baby. Yeah. Oh, the poor wee babies. See? See? So anyway, that's the Bhopal disaster. Bummer. I kinda... Mine was more heartwarming. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's, I'm sorry. You know, I feel like that. we've been depressing today. I mean, I thought mine was uplifting because people came together to help the town of Halifax. They did. So that's it. That's for for some man-made disasters. I'd like to say that this actually didn't... This got... Okay, so it's the gym being started ba- started okay for me. Yeah. Then it went to bad, and then the water got mixed in, and it got <laughs> it got okay again. It, it's a little tarter now. So you like Jim Beam apple with water? Yes. Watered down Jim Beam apple. I think it would be good with some seltzer. I uh, I drank mine in a hurry because I wanted to get it over with quickly. Mm, that's what she said. <laughs> uh, listen to us everywhere you listen to your podcasts. And by everywhere, I mean like Spotify and Apple, because who goes to Stitcher, even though we're on Stitcher? We're uh, sorry, Stitcher. Are we on SoundCloud? I was on SoundCloud for a while, listening mm, to podcasts on SoundCloud. I don't think we are. We'd have to set up our own thing on there, wouldn't we? Oh, that's weird. I don't like that. Never mind. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so listen to us there. Follow us on the Instagram and the Twitter. Yeah, I always post them. I'm editing pictures. Usually, it's a picture of booze and a cat. Uh, <laughs> I really need to work on our Instagram profile. <laughs> When you uh, when you tell your friends about Lax historical context, tell them we said something interesting.